Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. And as I earlier this morning, uh, we do have a special guest with us. Uh, Scott Pearson is the intern at St. Paul's Free Lutheran in Fargo, all the way from Fargo. So thank you for coming this morning across the river and uh, sharing uh, with us God's word. Scott. Good morning. It's, uh, it's good to be here. Uh, it was a uh, doozy of a drive this morning. I think it was probably the, the furthest I've ever gone to do a pulpit fill. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's probably the shortest. Uh, but it's good to be here. I, I definitely enjoy being able to go to different congregations to share God's word. Uh, I look forward to the end of the, the school year when I'll be able to accept a call to my own congregation. So I'm not going to have to travel places to, to visit and preach, but I, I'll miss it a bit. It's nice to see the different congregations in the AFLC. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 12, verses 32 through 40. And that's on page 819 of the Pew Bible. Uh, so Luke chapter 12, verses 32 through 40, and I'd like to ask you to rise if you are able. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where the thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service, and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But now, but know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Lord, these are your words, and your words are truth. I pray that you sanctify us in the truth, and may, your, may the words of my mouth be the words you hear, desire us to hear today, Lord. Open our hearts and our minds to what you have to say. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever been waiting expectantly for something? Excited, maybe? Uh, if you're a Vikings fan, that usually happens after the first couple preseason games where we look decent and we're like, this is our year, and the first game happens and that goes away. I think of a couple who are expecting a child. Right? They're, they're getting ready to, to welcome in 
uh, a new baby. And they kind of rearrange their lives, right? They're, they don't just go about doing everything the same way they usually did. There's doctor's appointments, uh, getting the nursery ready, gender reveals and, and baby showers to be had. The, the mother and the father live their lives around the fact that they're expecting a baby. And this is probably more pronounced if it's the first child, and I imagine that the expectation of a new child, a new little one, doesn't go away the more you have, but I, I could be wrong. Those parents are expectantly waiting the birth of their child. As a believer, we have another arrival that we look forward to that affects how we live our lives. The Lord calls us to live out our faith expectantly awaiting his return. Our lives reflect the reality that Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer, will return. He is coming back, and we are called to live our lives in light of that reality. Today's passage helps us to see how and why we do this. Verses 32 through 34, again, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasures are for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What has the Lord given to you? He has given you the kingdom, the place where the king rules and reigns and where his subjects are. You are a part of that kingdom. He has given that to you. The Lord has given so much to you. So you give. We see this in this section, just how amazing it is to be members of the kingdom of God. And we see how that affects the way we live our lives. Jesus uses personal riches to show this. In the parable, he just says possessions. We like to have stuff, don't we? We like to feel secure because of that stuff. A nice house, a nice car, nice clothes, all of these things help us feel better about ourselves. We also like having a feeling of financial security. We find comfort in those numbers we see in our checking and savings accounts. The problem is those things will go away. They, they can't stay with you forever. But God has given you the kingdom. He has promised you a place with treasures that do not fail, thieves can't steal, and moths can't destroy. But what is that treasure? What could it be? Is it gold, silver, Bitcoin, if you're into that? 
It's not money. It's not stuff. The treasure you have in heaven is eternal life with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The greatest treasure anyone could ask for, life with God as he created it before the fall. That is what happens when you are given the kingdom of God. This reality that you don't deserve because of your sin. You don't deserve to have life with God. But he gives it to you because of Christ's death and resurrection. A day will come where everything you've accumulated on earth will either be junk or just pass on to the next person. But you've been given the greatest gift anyone could ask for in Christ. And that should move you to give, understanding that what I have on this earth is going to go away. The point that Christ is getting to when he's saying here, he says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. He isn't saying, sell everything, get get rid of all your stuff, live homeless. He's not saying those things. He's reminding you that those possessions you have might get between you and what you're called to do. You're called to love your neighbor. To love your neighbor as you see fit and you are able. We should be willing to give what we can in this life. Both our time and our money because of that treasure we have waiting for us in heaven. We are called to love our neighbors as ourselves, to help them. And if you ask the question, who is my neighbor? Your neighbor is the person whose needs you can see and whose needs you can meet. That guy you know, that friend that lost his job, you might not be able to, to get him a new job. You might not even be in a spot financially to help him with a bill or two. But maybe you could bring them a meal. Bring his family a meal. The person who lost a loved one or has gotten bad news from the doctor, a cancer diagnosis or, or dementia or these things that we think of as, as terrible things. They may just need someone to spend some time with them, to be there with them as they go through this. We give because of what God has given us. And that leads into the next section of what Jesus is talking about. Looking at verses 35 through 38, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come to serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. 
Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. If the Lord wanted us to prepare for this task, to get ready for it, he would have said, hurry, get dressed, or get those lamps lit. But here, these things have already happened, and they continue to be true. The Lord has dressed you for action so that you stand at the ready. How has the Lord dressed you for action? Well, I I think of the armor of God, uh, the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of the gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, and sword of the Spirit. You've probably heard those verses, those things listed off. And here is why it is the Lord who has outfitted us with that armor. What is the belt of truth? Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Breastplate of righteousness is Jesus' righteousness that covers our sin. The gospel of peace that is the entirety of who Jesus is and what he has done for you. The shield of faith. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Helmet of salvation. Salvation belongs to the Lord. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. And John, throughout his gospel, calls Jesus the word. To put on the armor of God is to put on Jesus. And we put that on through baptism and through faith. We are dressed for action because Christ's death paid for our sin. Without that, each of us, you and me, would be useless piles of flesh laying on the ground, unable to do anything for the Lord. But because Christ has clothed you, you can stand ready to do the things that you have been called to do. Those things differ to a degree depending on who you are. In baptism, Pastor Ryan charged the parents, the sponsors, and the congregation to each do different things depending on who they were, right? A father has different God-ordained responsibilities than an aunt. The father is tasked with providing for his children to take care of them, to make sure that they're healthy and learning, while the aunt uh, has babysits a little bit, gives them sugar, and sends them home. A farmer has different responsibilities than a banker simply because their jobs are different. We stand at the ready by living out our vocations by loving our neighbors. The guards in this little parable were commended for doing their job, for standing guard like they were supposed to. The servants, their job was to wait for their master to return. They were to wait at the door. Staying dressed for action isn't limited to what you do on Sunday, coming to church 
giving some money in the offering, and going home. You have been given a new life in Christ, and that life you live is part of being dressed for action, being ready and serving those around you. Thanks to Christ, you serve him through simply living your life, by being a good parent, and by taking your work seriously. And we do this as we wait for the Lord's return. Verses 39 and 40. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The Lord has promised he will return, so you wait expectantly. We trust that Christ will do what he has promised to do. He will come again, and we stay ready, waiting for him. This parable uses guards and their master to show you how to wait for your Lord. We talked about staying dressed and ready for action, and now I want to focus on the waiting portion. How you do that action. I want to think about that couple I mentioned earlier that's expectantly waiting for their child to be born. What happens if they drop everything, every responsibility they have, and focus solely on the baby? And there are times where medical issues come up where parents have to focus a lot more on, on that. I don't want to make it seem like I'm saying that that's a bad thing. What I'm talking about here is everything's going perfectly fine, baby is healthy, but the parents burn bridges, drop everything because they're so focused on their baby. How is life going to go for them after that baby is born? They've spurned their friends, probably lost their jobs because they gave up on them. The parents are reacting in an unhealthy and a bad way. And it's easy for us as believers to do this, to get so focused on waiting for Christ's return that we, we get into trying to figure out when it's going to happen, to, to look at the signs of the times, to, to say when we think Jesus is coming back. We neglect our neighbors, those we're called to love, and we put too much focus on when is Jesus coming back. We get caught up in the end result. And we end up not doing our jobs. We don't work out our vocations as we should. There's another problem that, that can come with this. We have due dates, right, with babies. We have an idea of when they're going to, to come, but do they always come on their due date? 
know. We all know people who have been born weeks early and late. We get an idea of when the baby will come, and maybe medical stuff is better today and its due dates are a little bit more pinpoint, but I don't know many people that were actually born on their due date. And aside from a scheduled inducement or a C-section, you don't usually have the baby come on its due date. If those parents waited until the day before the due date to get everything ready, the, the nursery, the clothes, baby shower, all this stuff, if they waited until the day before, how would that go for them? Chances are they'd probably be about a week late to have everything ready for their baby. Now, what happens if we put so much effort and thought into becoming sure of when the second coming of Christ will happen? That we feel like we can take it easy until we get closer. I have time to, to reach out to that family member or friend. I'm struggling with my faith right now, but I've got time. I don't need to deal with it this instance. Jesus isn't coming back yet. Scripture is clear that Christ will come like a thief in the night. No one will know when it happens until it has happened. That's why staying dressed for action is important as part of expectantly awaiting Christ's return. You are called to do something while you wait. You are called to focus on loving your neighbors while you look forward to the second coming. Expectantly awaiting, expectantly waiting doesn't mean sitting in front of the door waiting for someone to arrive. It means making sure everything is in order before they arrive. Doing what you can do to prepare for them. Christ calls you to love your neighbor while he is gone. Believers are called to live out their faith while they expectantly await Christ's return. We live out our faith by loving our neighbors and loving God. The Lord has given each of you more than you can imagine. Everything you have is a gift from him. Your sins have been forgiven and wiped clean. And you have been given the kingdom of God. The things of this earth pale in comparison to that. So we should be willing to give to our neighbors according to their needs. You have been dressed by Christ through faith and your baptism. Dressed for action to live out your faith through your vocations as you await his return. Knowing that no one will know when he will return, just that he will. We do this not because it saves us or makes us better in God's eyes. That's not why we live out our faith. We do this because Christ has given so much to each of us. We do this out of love for neighbor and love for God. Amen.